God as the scriptures are read and the gospel is proclaimed. Open our ears to hear your word, open our eyes to see your truth, and open our hearts to receive your grace. Amen. The first scripture reading this morning is from Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Um, in keeping with the theme of this morning of distraction and focus, uh, I must admit that this passage is difficult, largely because of the syntax, and so I invite you to focus as I try to do the same. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation. Because of all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together by him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is in the beginning, the one who is firstborn from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, and he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks, thanks be, be to, to God. God. Our gospel reading for this morning picks up exactly where we left off last week. So if you recall, we heard the encounter of Jesus with the legal scholar and then the parable of the Good Samaritan, which ends with Jesus saying, and who was the neighbor to the one who had fallen into the thieves? And the legal scholar responded, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. And this is, it picks up right there, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Listen for God's word to you. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table? All by myself, tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. God of unnatural wisdom, you gave us Jesus, our rabbi, to question the roles we play, the submissions we enforce. May your living truth free us from the lie of exclusion and make us all learners and doers of your word through Jesus Christ, teacher and liberator. Amen. 
I don't know how many of you have seen images from the James Webb telescope that NASA's been releasing over the past week or so. But they are truly awe-inspiring. Is it up there? Yeah. So you're looking at like the sharpest image of the deep universe that humans have ever seen. And what you are looking at is the galaxy cluster SMACS0723, which contains thousands of galaxies. Now, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is about 100,000 light years in diameter. Anybody remember like, how large a light year is in, in miles? 5.88 trillion miles is a single light year. And our galaxy is 100,000 light years in diameter, and you're looking at thousands of galaxies. See, my mind obviously can't comprehend distances of that size. Now, what I think is most amazing to me about this image that NASA has said to get some perspective on how small of a slice of the night sky this is. They said, imagine holding at a distance your fingers just like this, and between your two fingers, you have a single grain of sand. That single grain of sand is the amount of night sky captured in this image with thousands of galaxies behind that single grain of sand, which just gives us a tiny taste and sliver of how vast our universe is, how short our life here on earth really is. We are all babies in comparison. See, images like this clarify how small I am, how infinitesimally short our life here on earth really is. So how are you going to spend the little time that you have in this vast, beautiful cosmos? That's what our passage in Luke is all about today. Luke's story of Mary and Martha is familiar to many of us and is problematic as well. Because often when we hear about it, we fall into tired stereotypes of Two sisters fighting over the attention of a man. I don't think that's what's going on here in this passage. But that's how it's often read and interpreted. Having just finished the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus and his band of merry disciples enter the village where Martha takes them in. And this is no small thing. Earlier in the same chapter, we learned that Jesus is now traveling not just with 12 disciples, as we usually by default think he is. He has over 70 with him at this time. So imagine going home right after church today, and 70 people show up ready for a meal. When was the last time you threw a party of that size? And if you have, was it easy? Was it stress-free? No problem, just chilling? Or to take a lot of preparation and work. See, hospitality in the ancient world was a really big deal. Two weeks ago, we heard in just the previous chapter, Luke's chapter 9, that Jesus was entering a Samaritan village and they sent him away. They did not show him hospitality. You remember how James and John responded to that? They said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven upon them? 
which incidentally, revisiting that familiar passage that I preached on just two weeks ago, I realized this week, oh, that is so clearly a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. That, that's what James and John have in mind when they ask Jesus, can I call down fire from heaven? And though Jesus rebukes James and John's plan, their anger and their outrage demonstrates how significant inhospitality was to them, which is why biblical scholars agree that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 is not being gay. It's inhospitality. And so here we are, one chapter after that encounter with James and John, and Martha welcomes Jesus and his entourage into her home. And so before we get all judgy about Martha, we need to first honor her hospitality. She welcomed Jesus as a guest, and we dare not shame her for it. Martha is an incredible character in the Gospels. She shows up in John's Gospel as well, where she is one of Jesus' most faithful disciples. She makes the most significant Christological confession in all four Gospels. She is a model disciple. And so before we hear the rest of the story, we do well to take a moment to thank God for all of those Marthas in our lives. Those people, often women, who open their hearts and their home to us in hospitality. How many of you received those blessings over your life of hard-working people, often women, who see to it that you are cared for and fed? Now, I don't think this text is ultimately about gender roles. But when it comes to hospitality both back then and even still in our time, it is often women who bear the brunt of this type of work and receive little gratitude or help in it. So I suspect we could all do a better job of expressing our gratitude to all of the people who work so hard throughout our lives to keep us fed and sheltered. And that includes many of you here at Covenant. All of you who week in and week out deliver groceries to people in need through our SOS food pantry. Those of you who prepare and deliver meals at Catch Court and at Hogue and at Open Shelter and at the Ronald McDonald House and the list goes on and on of all of the ways that this church shows hospitality to those in need. And we just need to say thank you. Thank you for that work that you so faithfully do week in and week out, to all of you Marthas, women and men alike who serve with the gift of hospitality, we say thank you. We don't say it enough. And so Martha welcomes Jesus and his band into her home. And that's when the conflict unfolds. Martha's sister Mary decides to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him instead of helping Martha with the meal. Now, there are different ways of understanding what's going on here, how to interpret what she's doing. Some people read this and think that Mary is embodying the feminine ideal to silently sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. While Martha's more active role as host would have been a threat to stereotypically male gender roles. That's one way to understand this passage. 
Others read it the exact opposite way. (laughs) That by sitting at Jesus' feet, and instead of helping in the kitchen, Mary was occupying space that was normally held by men. And the fact that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus... Luke, who is also the, uh, go- the author of the gospel, of, or the gospel, the book of Acts, describes Peter as sitting at the feet of Gamaliel when he was training to be a rabbi. And so sitting at someone's feet was the posture you would take in front of a rabbi when you were training to be a rabbi yourself. And so perhaps Mary is challenging the stereotype that women belong in the kitchen and is instead taking her place alongside Jesus' male disciples. All right. So which one of these readings is correct? I read a whole bunch of them this week, and you know what my honest answer is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one it is here. And I don't think that we can know for sure, and maybe that's okay. Because gender is present in the story, but I do not think that's the point of the story. Because what we can be sure of, what we can be certain of, is that all of us, like Martha find ourselves upset over what other people are doing. So Mary listens to Jesus, and Luke says Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. And that word preoccupied in Greek, it's a really cool image-filled word about being led around, dragged around, pulled in many directions. Can any of you relate to that? How many of you feel that on a given day you're pulled in so many different directions? So many people want a piece of you that you end up lashing out at other people for what are ultimately your problems and your feelings. Some of you are thinking, I've done that already this morning. (laughs) Guess what? And I'm not joking here. Me too. Already today, checked that one off my list. Yeah, if, that, if you're in that company, it's okay. You, you're normal. We all do this to one degree or another. And Martha's upset, perhaps with good reason. Some of you parents know just getting everyone fed, clothed, and where they need to be on a given Tuesday morning is nothing short of a minor miracle. Not easy to keep all those plates spinning, is it? And those of you who are like really good at keeping the plates Spinning as you do it, you got all those plates up there, just you know, work and family and you name it, they're all just spinning. And sometimes when you got them spinning, you kind of look around the room and go, Why isn't anybody else working as hard as I am? You ever feel that? And guess what? You're often right, they aren't. And when you recognize that, how do you then feel? Do you feel grateful for the opportunity to be able to serve other people? Feel grateful for the gift of just being alive? In that moment, do you remember that your time here is short and that it is not worth spending a moment of it on resentment? That's what you do, right? Or do you, like me, like Martha, do you feel as though other people around here need to start pulling their weight? And so she says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself. Tell her to help me. See, I I read that and I can just hear myself, right? God, will you please open the eyes of those around me 
so they might see how hard I am working, that they might be inspired by my hard work and join me in it. Doesn't usually happen that way. That's how I'd like it to happen. If you've ever prayed that or thought that, you're not alone. But it is no way to live. We are neither healthy nor happy when we spend the little time that we have here worried about how other people are spending the little time that they have here. And so Jesus responds to Martha by saying, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken from her. I wonder how you hear the tone of Jesus' voice as he says this to Mary. To me, I I, I don't hear an ounce of shame. I don't hear a bit of scolding. What I hear is Jesus inviting Martha to take a step back, to get some perspective, to remember what really matters, and he's inviting you to do the same as well. So when I get all bent out of shape and pulled in different directions, Jesus looks at me and says, Joel, Joel, well, you are worried and distracted by whatever headline or annoyance has caught your attention today. You are missing out on what really matters. Is this how you want to live? Is this how you want to spend the precious time that I have given to you? See, worry and distraction, what they do is they always steal from us the present moment. They remove us from that and we move into a posture of judgment and resentment. Meanwhile, Mary is just soaking up the moment in this contemplative gaze of love and wonder. She's basking in the glory of the Christ, the divine that is present in her midst. The early church experienced the divine presence that undergirds all things, as Paul said. They experienced that presence in the face of Jesus, and they called this presence the Christ. And so Paul said that Christ is before all things and is in all things, and all things are held together in the Christ. Which means that presence is all around you and within you every moment of your life. And when you recognize that, then suddenly the worries and distractions of your life, whatever they might be, just fall away, fade away. Because here's reality. Your time here is brief. And there are many, many things over which you have no control in your life, including and especially how other people spend their time and their energy. You can't control that. And if you try, you will spend your life worried and distracted over the things you have no control over. But you do have control over how you spend your time and your energy. In fact, no one can take it away from you. And so each moment, you are surrounded by that divine energy that presence, the Christ, held together by divine love. And only one thing is necessary for you to see it. 
And so attend to that one thing and it will not be taken away from you. Let's pray. God of the sacred and of the mundane, your presence is needed here among your people. Dirty dishes are piling up. Trash needs to be taken out. The book club is meeting at our house and we have no appetizers to serve. We are worried and distracted by many things. So may we sit here at your feet for just a moment. May we breathe with you and pray with you and enjoy this moment for what it is. May we remind ourselves of our one need, considering our many tasks. Yes. Lord, thank you for your holy invitation. We praise you for the gift of the present moment. Prince of Peace, our world is broken by violence. Our hearts are torn with lament. Rage burns hot amongst those whose rights are violated and stripped away. Power is abused by those not seeking the path of peace, but the path of profiting off other people's pain. Lord, the values of our world are just all upside down. Aiding the wealthy, punishing the poor. God of the downtrodden, strengthen us for the work of your kingdom. Recalibrate our world with equity. Balance the scales of justice that all might thrive. Giver of life, lover of unity, you draw us together in Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. So often we strain against one another, we resist your call to community. And so in this day of division, help us to work together to build bridges for the good of all. May our relationships breed trust. May they dispel past hurts. Lead us in the work of reconciliation, setting aside our petty and personal grievances. And teach us once again to listen to each other. Lord, we are your people. And this is Christ's church. Bless us, O God, through this community. In your mercy, beloved God, hear these, the prayers of your people. And as the body of Christ, we pray as Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.